0: Everybody was right in fighting fast as lightning In fact it gets a little bit frightening Unless you play with expert timing They're on funky fighter planes They're flying all around So jump into your aircraft And try to shoot them down With a fairy a bomb So you can drop one too while you try collecting medals as they all fly around you, everybody loves riding, fighting. Shoot with bullets fast as lightning. Oh, in fact it gets a little bit frightening. Shoot unless you play with expert timing. Oh.
1: the core test. Get this show
2: on the road. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Schmup Club. <laughs> this is a family friendly, schmup themed podcast that asks who let the gun dogs out. I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Schmups, and with me as always is
1: Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you would like to connect with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at ShootCorecast, you can also follow me directly at Game Boy Guru. You'll find our podcast via our Linktree page. where You can get all the feeds and uh, link to our merchandise page. That is linktr.ee slash shootthecoracast. Also, please join gener- rfgeneration.com and join in the Schmuck Club playthrough through the forum. You can also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your preferred platform. Uh, Join the RF Generation Discord channel, which is linked from the front page of RF Generation, and check out the dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic. And follow me on Twitch to get notifications of new streams, because I do stream the Shmup Club game multiple times throughout the month. That is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy.
2: Always good to watch that parrot dog. Indeed. And RF Generation is a good place to check out if you're looking to catalog your collection. You know, I don't know how many times I forget that I bought tex Maxim Rides again, and then I buy it again for the 2600 it, And I get a whole stack of these darn things. Wow. Uh, maybe I should put these in someone's Secret Santa stocking.
1: It, it, what you probably should do is buy enough copies of tex Maxim Rides again so that you can then start your own Atari Landfill.
2: Oh, that is perfect. And then... You know, I can sell... What I can do is I can sell investments into it, and then I can start making my own NFTs out of it.
1: Yeah, and then 40 years later, dig them up and sell them at 12 times the price and profit.
2: That truly is. Yesterday's trash is tomorrow's treasure.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Okay. Well, before we dive into kind of our topics for the uh, episode here, let's go over the question of the month. I threw this out on Twitter, on the forum, and on Discord. And so the question that I asked is, what is your favorite secret or Easter egg in a video game? And we got some pretty fun responses. Uh, First one comes from at Steven Eider. Well, that two-player mode in Super Punch-Out sure is a neat discovery. And yeah, that was a recent discovery that someone made that apparently there's a way to unlock the, uh, I guess, unlisted or hidden two-player mode so that uh, player two can control the Uh, you know the fighter that you normally play against so that's kind of a cool uh, cool little feature
2: indeed it's always nice to see new secrets discovered for old games in fact uh, that's one of mine but we'll get to that later our next comment comes to us from at shoot the core the second quest in the original legend of Zelda it blew my mind back in the day that the entire remix of the game had hidden on the cartridge and became available after finishing it Without having to download any DLC. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought the same thing, too. In fact, if it weren't for Nintendo Power, I probably would have never noticed. But it was amazing to just see there's something more to this game. And I didn't really think I even played the Master... Not Well, not Master Quest, but played the second Quest until much later for a... Uh, uh, sorry, not Collector Cast... Uh, the, the other other podcast. Oh. For, uh,
1: yeah, the uh, RF Gen Playcast.
2: The uh, Playcast, thank you. Yes, the for the Playcast is the time I first actually sat down and played it through and really enjoyed it. It's, it's difficult, but it's definitely doable. Very good choice. Yeah.
1: Side note, that's uh, the, that month when they covered the Legend of Zelda was actually the first time I played through the original game, um, you know, fully.
2: So they pulled you away from Breath of the Wild? I think that's more amazing than well, that.
1: Well, that was years before Breath of the Wild.
2: I see. Yeah.
1: Uh, let's see. At Pony Tatigen says, Discovering the Howl Rooms in Kirby games.
2: You know what? This is one that, a uh, Howl Room is something that sort of strikes a chord, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Do you know more about this? No, these?
1: I'm not familiar with this, so I'm going to have to look that up.
2: Alright, mark it, put a pin in it so we can come back to it later. Our next comment comes to us from at Drake Tunstan. So many secrets, hard to pick one, or even remember them all. My memory's not so good as it was. Hey, I'm right there with you. But I did like this one, probably my absolute favorite. It's how to get 101% map completion in Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition.
1: Yeah, and when I watched the video, I realized that It's one of the things about Guacamelee is that there's a lot of sort of current or semi-current cultural references and things like that. So there are some memes and things referenced in there that, of course, six months after the game came out were not going to be timely anymore. But I think that's part of the joke.
2: Yeah, Guacamelee is pretty fun. If it were a shmup, I would definitely recommend it for us, but uh, that's alright, maybe they can come up with a uh, what's that is, is it Ron to pick up pick up Guacamelee in the dungeon
1: <laughs> game or is, it, is it Ron to shoot up girls in a dungeon
2: yep, is it Ron to Guacamelee in the dungeon
1: <laughs> and then uh, Shadow Kisaragi followed that up on the discord by saying, just to double down, and then a link to video uh, showing apparently an area in Guacamelee! 2 where you can see the same memes that show up in uh, that section in the original. And then sort of the game mocking itself for including the same now uh, uh, quite outdated memes. Uh, That was a fun touch.
2: I like it when the game's not afraid to make fun of itself. Very parodious. Yes. Our next comment comes to us from at Lightning Beast. In the DS version of Mega Man Battle 5, if you put any of the Game Boy Advance Battle Network games in the second cartridge slot, a remix of the game's battle theme plays during random encounters. Now that I like that is very MSX.
1: Yeah, I was not familiar with this, but that's a a nice touch. Uh, SPM mentioned uh, on the Discord, Nostalgia talking here, but I have really fond memories of the secrets in the NES and Super NES Mario games. If I had to pick one, getting on top of the screen in the OG Mario to skip some worlds was a fantastic surprise. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with the classics.
2: Yeah, uh, was, was that that'd be called the first out of bounds or screen break? I wonder. Is there something like that ever before in an arcade game that you could go? I, mean, I know that level's level level uh, two fifty seven, but
1: oh, right,
2: that's not quite within the, what we're looking You're for. You're
1: talking about like the Pac-Man kill screen,
2: right? So something where it would actually being great. I mean, if you go in the scoreboard in Super Mario. The game doesn't freeze, so it's not... Minus World the Game sort of does, but not quite the same way. I wonder if that's the first example of that. Could be. We sort of boundary break.
1: Yeah.
2: Our next comment comes to us from Schlarp. Love the username. I don't remember many Easter eggs, but the illusion in Maniac Mansion to rock, rescue and Fractalis... In one of the rooms in the telescope, you need to align to solve a problem, but when aligned differently, you see the alien sequence from Rescue on Prectalis. Maniac Mansion is one of those games that I swear has at least five to ten easter eggs.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, microwaving the hamster?
2: <laughs> Who didn't do that?
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: Ah, man, Maniac Mansion is such a great game on there. I'm, and especially the sequel, Day of the Tentacle. Love those two games. Nice. Although I think it spent more with, D- with Dot than it did with the original Maniac Mansion. Huh. Do you play it on the any? Did you play the NES version like many people got that experience to? Or you played on the Apple? Or what did you...
1: No, actually I confessed after Schlart Post that that I haven't played Maniac Mansion. I have the NES cart what? that I picked up cheap, but I've still never played the game. So Schleip recommended the uh, the remake or remaster or whatever on Steam um, for some quality of life and other reasons.
2: There is also, a, if you since you got yourself a mister, try the Famicom version. Is they took it and then someone says, this is not anime enough. So they made it anime. Oh, it's definitely a different look.
1: That's interesting.
2: Yeah, give it a try. Okay. Play it on Steam, but, uh, you know, guru plays.
1: Yeah. There you go. Uh, At King Cannibal said, It's always going to be the spooky Sonic CD Easter egg. And I wasn't familiar with this, but...
2: Isn't that the music? No. with it the ghost music? He no.
1: included a, a graphic of this weird-looking Sonic with a derpy face. And I'd never like, seen like this Like the before.
2: Mario 64 title screen or something? I think I've heard of this, but it's been years.
1: Yeah. it's I guess you could call it the Sonic CD version of Do You Know The Way. Just a really derpy-looking <laughs> Sonic. That's a bit creepy.
2: What was the Sonic? Uh, was it Sonic Chew? What was, what was the one that was a. Uh, um, there, there was one that people were making fun of. Was, uh, although, I imagine that uh, we're hitting the tip of the Titanic iceberg if we start looking at Sonic <laughs> memes.
1: <laughs> yes. I think Sonic memes are definitely. Um, definitely qualify for the iceberg theory.
2: Well, moving on here, our next comment comes to us from Easy Racer. In F1 Rock 2, there are two secret multiplayer minigames. One is like Arkanoid, and the other is like a two-player Space Invaders. Nice. This I didn't know.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the, oh, what is it, the Galaxian minigame in Ridge Racer, I think?
2: Oh, yeah, the one that they copyrighted for a good long while.
1: Right. Stuff like that.
2: I think the only other one that was able to get through it before then was the uh, Deep Scan, was it? In uh, the Saturn version of Die Hard Arcade, so that was the way you were in credits.
1: Oh, um, okay. Well, but Galaxian and Ridge Racer were both Namco, so.
2: Right. And they, didn't they also have one for Tekken 2? I mean, I don't mean Tekken 2 as in the sequel, like the original Tekken.
1: Oh, yeah, you might be right. I think right. they did.
2: <laughs> so, but I know that they had copyrighted that, the game within a game. I'm not sure if that expired.
1: Right. Uh, at WLTR 3565 said, Finding 765 numbers in Namco games. Uh, Idolmaster, Pac-Man, Tales of... Xevious, Taiko and so on. Uh, 765 would be spelled Namuko or Namco. So their games often sneak in this number for uh, example uh, for money from treasure chests or high score lists or 765 combo in their rhythm games. And this is similar to Konami with their, is it 573 I think? Ko na mi. Uh, and they like to use that. Or maybe it's 873. I think that's right. 873 with Konami Games. So that's something that they like to do uh, kind of randomly in games is find some way to include 873 uh, as a pun or as a, a funny little extra.
2: Uh, I'm assuming this doesn't apply to uh, slow or um, Pachinko machines, right?
1: You never know. I mean, at this point with Konami, you just don't know.
2: That is for sure. Our next comment comes to us from Ed Gortrich. Finding and fighting Reptile in the original Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that was oh my gosh! Back so many playground rumors on that one. There, all right, in order to find a reptile, you have to fight when the witch flies over the moon on the first stage, and you have to press up, up, down, down, and you know, whole then whole block while we'll pressing four punch. There were so many different variations of it, and I think the first time I got to see some was a uh, high schooler do it in an arcade just amazed by some stuff. And Street Fighter had that type of stuff, too, right? To fight Shenlong, you must do
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. all this crazy stuff. Like, no wins and, you know, that famous EGM article. Yes. So, yeah, good good old times back then. When in, there. in fact, it rem- this sort of reminds me of uh, what takes me back to my youth. My mom got me a journal that I was supposed to be re- you know, writing short stories and stuff. And she thought, oh, my son will turn out to be a great writer. Well, instead I wrote down all sorts of codes for Nintendo games and passwords and, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat moves, everything else. So it was a little bit of a trip to find that the other day.
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking of the the meme with uh, um, Leo DiCaprio and, and Kate Winslet in... Uh, Titanic, oh, Titanic. Where she's looking at the book, and then it, you see the other picture, and it says Mortal Kombat move list or something like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Our final uh, entry comes from Zoido uh, on Twitter, and Zoido shared a GIF of Mega Man X doing a Hadouken.
2: That is true. There, If you do a certain... I think it's a certain set... There's a certain set of conditions. Within one, you get the Hadouken. Two, you get the Shuruken. Sure, I, know, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, but... Uh, Shuruken. And I think three, X3 has something as well. I think after that, they stopped. But in the first three, they should have done Street Fighter moves.
1: Yeah, and I think... I think you have to have a certain set of armor or a certain upgrade in order to accomplish it.
2: Right, you have to get all the armor pieces. It's been a while. I did see somebody do it. It was a pretty neat little Easter egg in there. Yeah. So... So what's yours?
1: Mine... Uh, I'm going to go back to the well, and uh, I'm going to go back to Lightning Force again. Because most of the Easter eggs and things that I was aware of as a kid were things that either my friends discovered or I heard about at school or people I knew who had Nintendo Power subscriptions uh, would mention them. But when I played Lightning Force and I discovered two things, one, after you beat the game, if you go back into the options menu, you get access to those ten omake tracks. That blew my mind. That was such a cool discovery. And then the other was when you go into the options menu and you set your lives to zero and then that gives you 99 lives. That was huge because that was a way for me to sort of practice the game more easily because I could just die and die and die and it didn't really matter because with 99 lives, unless you barely do anything, or you run into every conceivable enemy and obstacle, it's likely that you're going to beat the game. So it's at least a way that you can practice it and sort of learn the levels in a less uh, threatening kind of way. So that was a huge deal for me after I discovered that, and it allowed me to get good at the game.
2: You know that sounds like a like a YouTube challenge that you'd see these days. And can I beat Lightning Force uh, after running to every single obstacle? <laughs> right. Make, make that, here you go. Here's your summer games done done slowly. <laughs> <laughs> put that or put that in for the next shmup slam. All
1: right. What about you?
2: Very nice choice. For me, it's a toss up between two. One has to be the sarcastic announcer from Wave Race Blue Coast. I thought that was great that you can input a code. And this was discovered, what, maybe five years ago? So well after the GameCube version has launched. But if you input a certain code on there, the, you get a sarcastic or a snarky announcer. It's like, oh, you just barely did that. And you won't get it next time. <laughs> <laughs> that was just great. And then the other thing would have to be in Wolfenstein The New Order. If you sleep in between levels, you actually can play the original Wolfenstein 3D levels.
1: Oh, very cool.
2: So I, I, I thought those those two were great. And then honorable mention has to be Call of Duty Black Ops 2, where if you shoot the heads off all of the mannequins in Nuketown, you can play Pitfall, uh, Pit. But uh, there's a couple other different Activision titles that you can play.
1: Huh. I was not aware of that. That's Black Ops 2?
2: That's Black Ops 2 in the Nuketown map, yep. Huh. You had to shoot off the heads off all the mannequins within 90 seconds.
1: Well, I haven't got around to Black Ops 2 yet, but when I do, I'll have to remember that.
2: Then there was also the one that the developers of the game... Uh, which was Batman? If you do, developers had to say, if you get past a certain wall, you blow it up and you go through in Arkham Asylum, they had the sequel to the game showing up. <laughs> it's just, it's like a map of uh, Gotham City and says Arkham City approved. Huh. And so they, they hid the sequel directly in the first game, and no one found that until the developers actually posted it.
1: Wow, that's so, cool.
2: And there's a. Also- there's also the Dead Dead Rising store in the mall, the original Dead Rising, and it's called Jill's Sandwiches.
1: <laughs> That's great.
2: And then of course there's the literal Easter egg in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. It's just you have to go through this certain wall in there and it says Happy Easter on it. It's just this egg on a pedestal. Yeah. But then I'm certain you know about the origins of the word Easter egg and probably everybody listening does, with Adventure, right? Right. I, I had a friend show me that when I was probably in fourth grade or so, and it blew my mind that somebody actually had his initials in there in the game. And the game itself was so ambitious, and I didn't quite understand the ducks at the time. But everything else made sense.
1: Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you everyone for your interesting answers and for participating once again in our question of the month.
2: Yeah, thank you. Without, without your responses on here, we would have nothing else to discuss.
1: <laughs> well, now we should discuss uh, our focus shot game, Mushihime Sama.
2: Oh, not Deep Space Waifu 2? No. Uh, Maybe next month.
1: (laughs) No, I didn't have a lot of time to play this month. But it got me thinking about how I've kind of stepped away and come back and stepped away and come back. I just haven't dedicated as much time to playing this game as I should. It seems like the most time I get to play is on the weekends. And I've seen some discussion in some of the shmup discord servers about the importance of playing every day. So I'm thinking I need to make some adjustments to my schedule so that maybe first thing in the morning I can get up a little bit earlier, go to bed a little earlier at night, get up right away so I can get 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes in and just get a little bit of time every day to play and hopefully, improve. Because I'm thinking, you know, I've sort of hit this wall with Stage 3, where, yeah, I could bomb my way through a couple of difficult parts, but I really want to learn to route it properly. And uh, so I, I'm i not going to have hope of ever truly getting through the centipedes in Stage uh, 4 or routing the pitcher plant sections in stage five if I can't get stage three done without dying or at least only dying once
2: so no I I have to say that I've heard aqua say that too early to bed early to schmuck makes men healthy wealthy and wise (laughs) right No, I mean, it's mental. Shmups are a mental game, and if you've got enough coffee or caffeine in you and you can focus on the screen and do it every day, just like you would do golf or anything else, you're going to get better at it. I, I definitely agree.
1: Yeah. So I'm hoping that I can make some adjustments and get to where maybe next month, when we come back and discuss this, I can say that, hey, I've been playing Mushi almost every day or every day and guess what I'm riding stage four now or you know I'm I'm practicing the stage four boss or something like that
2: yeah I, I found myself heading back after a while and shaking off a lot of rust myself. I went through stage four because I'm not so sure how much more I could take with stage three at the moment. In stage four, at first I thought it was really fast, but now it appears to be moving quite slow. The only spot where I sort of get stuck on, and it took me like two tries, and I'm like, man, this stage four mid-boss is hard. This is gonna be hard, so then I went and tried it straight at the stage four mid-boss and, of course, I beat him on the first try. So wow. I don't know what's going on. Well, that, that was after, you know, three or four attempts where I got at least destroyed once or twice. So I don't know. So it, it it's definitely easier. And then those um, big centipedes, those are definitely in trouble there. But I'm getting better at, at routing through there. My biggest benefit has been switching from... well. I, ha- I have a three monitor setup from where I normally play at. The- it was normally called the STG station. And I was playing on the computer because it makes things a little bit easier for loading stuff and I, I don't have to keep moving the switch around. So I can play on either the 32 inch monitor, which is up on top, or I can play on one of the 24 inch monitors below. When I switch to 24 inch monitor, it's so much easier for me to keep track of the bullets. Not only because I'm aging, you know, because because I can see the entire playing view all at once. And I, I said, for me, I will take a smaller play field any day. I don't think I could deal with like a 50 inch Tate screen or something with this. It would just be too much for me to try and look at. I, ne- I need to be able to quickly grasp where everything is at once. On a larger screen, I think I would be a little bit more limited to checking around my ship and focuses on that, especially in a damaku game, but by being able to see the entire screen at once it really helped me focus on where I needed to be.
1: Yeah, I I think i figured out because with my setup now, I've got my 4K LG TV and then I've got my older 1080p uh, Sharp Aquas TV and I think I've figured out between the two, especially playing Mushi on both TVs, because I've been playing Mushi Tate on the 15, 55-inch 1080p screen, and I think i figured out that my older 1080p TV is a bit laggy, because when I play on there, I play worse. And I think it's not just because it's so big, with Mushi in Tate mode, even if I don't blow up the screen and zoom it out, it's still very large. Whereas, if I'm on the 4K TV, even though it's in uh, standard horizontal view, and I'm only getting that center section of the screen, not only is it more right-sized based on my distance to the TV, but the LG is very responsive, and so I think between those two things, I'm going to have to resign myself to just not using the the Sharp for Mushi at least. Maybe other shmups will fare better, but this one I, I'm going to have to play on the Sharp. So now I'm thinking, okay, at some point I'm going to have to look at Maybe a forty-inch 4K TV or something, something with good response time, so that I can actually mount that on the visa mount on this TV cart that I've got set up here, uh, or this rolling stand, and then you know use that as my tate screen instead of the 55-inch.
2: You gonna spin spin that monitor around like a prize wheel at a fair?
1: Not quite. More like Wheel of Fish.
2: A Wheel of Fish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Get me a red oh,
2: yeah. oh, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, for, for me, the, the bigger the monitor is, the little bit more of a headache that I have on there. So it's a little bit easier to... There. And I, I also, as you mentioned, with the... The TVs have gotten a lot better, especially with refresh rates and accepting different resolutions. And it's pretty evident to see what types of lag you have. Even on the... I recently gave up a 46-inch TV because the thing, you know... It was LCD, but it weighed as much as a CRT. The thing was heavy as heck. And it just wasn't worth keeping around because the amount of lag made STGs almost unplayable.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm finding that more and more. You know, it never bothered me that much in the past, the latency. But the more I play fast action games that require a certain degree of response and kind of fast twitch action, the more I realize that yeah, we had it good when we were playing these games on CRT screens and it's all analog technology because you didn't necessarily have to worry about latency, whereas with these kinds of screens now, yeah, there's a lot of that that you have to factor in.
2: You know, it sort of reminds me of, you know, this is old to pull in here but Jeff Fox where joke, you know, you might be a redneck. You, you might be converting to Mark MSX if you is it that guy is all about lag yep rightfully rightfully so I that's the reason why I still have a couple of CRTs laying around it's not just for light games or light gun games
1: no certainly not
2: with the amount of stuff that's coming to Mr. I mean, we can talk about this in Shmup News here, but the amount of cave games and Psycheo games that are coming out there, it's incredible.
1: Yeah. Well, and certainly that's going to be one way to play those games and get really good response times, not having to worry about being on CRT because of the Format that they're in,
2: or you could just put them, hook them up to a CRT. All you need is that IO board.
1: That's true.
2: I mean, well, that into probably rotate your monitor, but (laughs) we do not condone rotating your CRT without professional help or at least consulting a physician first. Physician. Those things are heavy.
1: Yes, they are.
2: Uh, Alright, anything else on Mushihime-sama?
1: No, I just need to get back to the grind.
2: Yeah. Get get your mental game in check. Here, It definitely gets easier. I think that, well, Stage 4 does seem a little bit fast and so on and stuff in there. It's nothing compared to the speed of Futari. Especially stage four for Dari. That really moves fast. Yeah. Or or just uh, start playing some more of, Raiden four. You know the stage two boss. Well, I get really good at, dan- at dodging bullets.
1: Oh yeah.
2: All right. Let's move on to Shmup News start off with strictly limited games as confirmed that the physical versions of Ray Z, Arcade Chronicles, when they they release the R-gear, will be included. However, the bonus will be exclusive to the SLG physical release.
1: Yeah. So, So, this is... mm -hmm. I guess this is one of those things that's good and bad. It's good that R-gear is going to be available in a physical form because from a preservation standpoint it'll be available
2: but but isn't our gear by itself just a uh, sort of like a it was one stage and then M2 sort of took it from there
1: yeah i it's either one stage or two and there is some conflicting information out there i think the prevailing idea is that it's one stage but it was supposed to have been the original sequel to Ray Force, and it was scrapped early on in the development in favor of moving over to uh, what was it Namco System One, I think, hardware for Raystorm.
2: And System One, um, basically, moving over to PlayStation hardware.
1: Yeah, or maybe it's System Eleven. I think that's right.
2: Well, System 11 and System 12 are the Namco, too. The System 11 has less memory on there in the system. So, System 11 is like dancing Eyes. Uh, funny, that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> oh, oh Dancy Eyes in like, Tekken Tekken 1 and 2, I think, are on right. System 11, if I remember. PlayStation right? And then System 12 has Soul Calibur, Tekken 3, and it's like a more advanced. I think it has more memory, and I think it also has stereo on board if, if those... Right, and I keep in mind this is twenty years ago information. I'm trying to pull from my head.
1: Well, and as soon as I said that, I realize we're talking Namco hardware, but this is a Taito game, so I don't remember what um, oh, what the Taito yeah. equivalent was. But there were several companies that had um, PlayStation. Well, you had
2: the ZN hardware, yeah, ZN, which was a Capcom system eleven, system twelve, which was Namco. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. of... Konami
1: had the. Uh, system, what was it, the Konami System
2: 873 or whatever it was. And Konami, all these weird numbers. I mean, there was a lot of places where they used odd hardware and even the, there's like two variants that use N64 hardware, so it's it's all over the place and the PlayStation 1 hardware was used quite a bit, so, yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, but the, the thing that's Less good about this is that, of course, then in physical form, the R gear component is only going to be available on the strictly limited games version. So while there may be other releases through uh, Japanese retailers, or who knows, we may even get a, a you know a, a U.S. release similar to what we did with the standalone release of G. Darius, for example, we may get a a North American release of the Rays Arcade chronology, but only the strictly limited version is going to have Arc gear. So it's good that it's being preserved, but it's less good that it's going to be exclusive to a physical version. Uh, Indie shooter A2 Zygon is in development from Solid Solid Spy 24. Uh, It's a Danmaku-style game with NES-like graphics. Uh, It's due out December 2022, and there is a demo on Steam.
2: Yeah, it looks pretty good. I wanted to check it out. Yeah. Raiden 4 Overkill has been delisted from Steam and GOG, but more releases of Raiden 4 X Mikado Remix are coming, or sorry, Cross Mikado Remix are coming. The physicals for the PS4 and PS5 on its way. NIS or NIS America will be handling those. I have to say, if you had told me what, what the most re release schmup was, originally I would have probably said the original Gradius. There may be life force, but I'm beginning to think it might be riding four.
1: Yeah, riding four has a lot of legs. I mean, it's been it's been put out there many times over the years, and there's there's got to be a reason for that. And I know Ed said that the most viewed Bullet Heaven video was his riding four review.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a good game. It's definitely hard. It's not Gradius Three hard, but it definitely pushes you.
1: Oh, for sure.
2: We'll talk about that next month.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a Steam page up now for NG Dev Team's forthcoming Danmaku SCG Vane. and it is still slated for release this year. This game's looking yeah, really good. Which
2: you will never see the eShop until 2025 because they will complain about piracy on the Dreamcast and <laughs> then we then we will but they will sell exactly 200 physical copies which will sell out almost immediately. No, I'm just, <laughs> it Took me forever to get a copy of their last game, I swear it. Uh, and it's still freaking expensive.
1: Oh, yes.
2: It doesn't matter what it... It's, yeah, it's... I mean, I appreciate that they put it on there, and I think they should. And I'm glad that Schmuck Junkie called them out on it. Because they should have more people playing it. Yes. There, uh, hopefully they got enough to make that investment back, because it should be out there. It's worthy of people playing it. And I hope they put more stuff out there. Like, they're doing... Uh, what's the other game that they're working on? Uh, not, I keep wanting to call it Gun Force, but that's not it, um... The Turrican-like.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Gunlord X, or the sequel to Gunlord
2: X. Yep, Gunlord X2. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that as well, and I hope that they uh, had the foresight to bring that to the eShop.
1: Yeah, I do too. I mean, obviously, if they're doing a digital release on Steam, there's already precedent for that. So hopefully this means that when it gets moved over to console, we see both digital and physical releases.
2: Yeah, definitely. Here's hoping. So, Yars Recharged has been announced, a new take on the Yars Revenge formula, with large open levels, multi-directional shooting, and multiplayer. I I always liked Yars Revenge. It was one of those 2600 games that I played, you know, years and years after the fact and still enjoyed. But I wonder how much you can change up the formula on this.
1: If you watch the trailer, it looks quite a bit different. Because the original concept is so simple where you just shoot through the shield and breach that and then get to where you can uh, sort of bait the enemy targeting reticle to fire at you and then get out of the way and then the enemy is exposed and you can go take it out and just rinse and repeat. This is a lot more complex if you look at the the video that's out there. So it definitely looks like they've taken the formula and added to it. Sounds good. I'll
2: have to take a look.
1: Uh, Raging Blasters from Terrarin Games is finally out on the North American Nintendo Switch eShop. I've been looking forward to this. Um, I've kind of drugged my feet on creating a Japanese eShop account just because I don't want to deal with it and I don't want to buy eShop cards and and add money that way. and It's just a pain. So I haven't done it. But with the Switch version being uh, improved over the Steam version, I'm definitely looking forward to this because it looks like a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, Raging Blast is definitely one that I want to take a look at. Maybe next year?
1: Hmm, Maybe so.
2: Red Art Games has released a physical of No Drifter from developer... I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize. Uh, uh, Abong?
1: Yeah, Arabon.
2: Arabon, thank you. Is also publishing Shinrobi on the Nintendo Switch. Hopefully there's a physical.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine there wouldn't be. I mean, Red Art Games has shadow dropped a couple of shmups on their website this year already. Uh, Rather than doing pre-orders, they just dropped uh, IAI... And Endocrisis, both of which they just sent out an email to their mailing list saying, hey, there's a game out there, 999 copies, it's on sale now, and you can just go buy it. Uh, and of course, I did. I bought both. But with a game like Shino Ruby that has actually had some buzz uh, over the last, I would say, year since it was kind of teased. I think it would be almost statistically unlikely for Red Art Games not to option that for a physical and then maybe make that one that is a larger pre-order.
2: The funniest thing I've seen about Red Art Games is they'll sometimes do like Western releases. They did that for uh, D-Lit in Wonder Labyrinth where it seems like we got 50 US copies and then there's pro- thousands of European copies out I realize they're a European company I have to say their US stuff is very limited right I uh, wanted to go back real quick the uh, saw so- the hardware, arcade hardware for Raystorm was the Taito F1B or FX1B ah. which also ran G Darius
1: that's right
2: It didn't run too much else on it, but it also ran Fighter's Impact. And Fighter's Impact is a game that I want to go back to, because I heard some interesting things about it from Audi. Do you know who Audi is?
1: Uh, yes. From, um... uh, DF Retro? More recently
2: from Digital Founder. Yeah, from DF Retro and Digital Founder. The the Bubsy Maniac. (laughs) But he also had a very large hand in the Cotton reboot. Oh so I'm wondering if we might be able to give his input when we eventually cover them.
1: Cool. Uh, classic title shooter Gun Frontier is out on Arcade Archives. Um, the Western release is known as Gun and Frontier for some reason, but this is a bit of an infamous game because it has been said that... Uh, uh, what's his name... Uh, Shinobu Yugawa, who created Battle Gorega, but this is supposedly his favorite game, and certainly you can see elements of Gun Frontier in Battle Gorega, such as collecting the gold bars to charge up your bombs, and things like that. So there are, there are some definite elements that you can tell inspired Battle Gorega but it's, uh, it's an interesting
2: game. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to trying that out. And dying in frustration over and over again to rank that increases too fast. <laughs> A new Toho game is releasing. Well, geez, uh, what, that happens every week now, doesn't it?
1: Uh, maybe every other week.
2: Oh. Oh, wait, this one's releasing for comic Cat 100, developed by Zune. Ah, uh, there we go. Toho eighteen point five Bulletphilia Black Market. I still swear they should call it incessant. <laughs> Bulletphilia Black Market works for me too. Well, yeah. Um, the I have to say the Toho games is something we definitely should cover at some point, and I do like some of some of those on there. I think uh, everyone knows that, uh, shoot, that one was that shoot one ends with night. I can't. even want to say that endless night, but that's oh a,
1: imperishable night. night
2: imperishable night, yeah, you know, which is eight, I think. And the recent one was okay, but imperishable night was where it has the really good soundtrack that everyone likes.
1: Well, that one and, and uh, embodiment of Scarlet Devil.
2: yep, I think is that twelve I can't remember now.
1: Oh gosh, I don't remember either.
2: You know it's it's almost like the it's almost like trying to describe somebody uh, a Hardy Boy's book, right? you go, it's the one with the smugglers well, they're all with smugglers <laughs> <laughs> that, being, that being said, I do enjoy the Toho game I think that they're a great introduction for the <clears throat> for STG games and Damaku in general I think they do a lot to get you trained on, pal- on patterns on there even with a lot of the Raidon or even the Mushihima and something. you see a lot of those flower patterns That that are very prevalent in the Toho games, and the music is always good. The only part I don't get is the fan base, but that's okay. I don't need to engage in that portion.
1: Right. Yeah, but I'm guessing because this is eighteen point five, and it's you know the the black market in the title that it's sort of directly connected to Toho eighteen unconnected marketeers. So I'm guessing there are maybe some. Yeah,
2: so it's a black label version. Black Market, Black Right,
1: Black. that could be. But I'm guessing it's a, a direct sequel or... Uh,
2: That's my Toho oh, fan shoot. fiction.
1: <laughs> uh, Demon Throttle is getting a second physical release, uh, this time through Amazon. So if you missed out on the original Special Reserve Games physical version, you'll still have an opportunity to get a copy for yourself since this is a game that's not supposed to get a digital release. So, for those of us who pre-ordered and succumbed to the FOMO uh, on the original release, we paid more, and you can pay less.
2: Thank you for paying more.
1: Yes. Well, I have my copy already, so...
2: Yeah, and I, I definitely order it from Amazon because if, if you order a copy it means that we're eventually going to cover it here.
1: Exactly.
2: Alright, so a prototype build of Star Soldier Vanishing Earth for the Nintendo 64 has been found and dumped. No word on the differences between the proto and the final releases, but it's always good to have a prototype dumped. Another one preserved, even even if it doesn't have much changes, it's always interesting to see what people were thinking or some even if it's something as simple as like a title screen change.
1: Yeah, and I don't remember when I saw the tweets about this, there were I think two or three other games on the developer cartridge that got dumped alongside it, but for me it's kind of cool that this being the only official Nintendo 64 shoot 'em up Traditional shoot 'em up and having a prototype version available is kind of cool.
2: Wait, you're not counting Star Fox 64?
1: Well, I guess I would count that, but not everybody does. That's true. I mean, I know Mark MSX does, but
2: insert your own Monty Python Spanish Inquisition joke there.
1: nobody expects the shmup inquisition
2: I'm sure that will be a t-shirt coming out either by us or maybe the electric underground
1: (laughs) right Uh, uh, doujin shooting game Kikura is slated for uh, August 20 uh, excuse me August 19th 2022 release uh, it's got ground-based movement, like Guange from Cave, or multi-directional movement, like Pocky and Rocky, but it looks very inspired by Toho Games, and it's from developer Kenko JSB. Yeah,
2: definitely always looking forward to Doging Games, because I those, again, just like you're dealing with indie titles, those are the ones that actually take risk on there with the different types of systems on there, or I'm trying the last one that Demonizer yes, it's tradition in some ways but it definitely added some new mechanics and different ways upon doing stuff it wasn't just like a carbon copy of Gradius, or, or something, there it, it definitely took some risk. Or, uh, even on the developer that he's gonna release a second one pretty soon, and I'm certain the name escapes What's the one, one that I it, it sounds generic again. What with the um, all the anime girls that we we covered on there? We had the developer on, I'm apologize, I forget his name already.
1: Oh, yes, um,
2: yes that guy oh yes that guy and I, I definitely apologize but you know what I'm, he's got a sequel coming out he, he just made out and the stuff I wanted to we'll try looking forward to I'm sure he'll come back to Yes.
1: Me. give me just a second I'll look the, it up
2: you know the, the beauty of doing podcast live
1: <laughs> yes and the ability to edit
2: shoot the cork ass was film before live studio assault shell Assault salt yeah, shells, yes. Thank from you. some guy. So, some guy. <laughs> no, he was a great. He was great to have have on, and definitely have him back on for the sequel. For sure. I, I definitely enjoyed that game. That was one of the the that had a pretty good pretty good movement to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and the sequel is looking nice.
2: Yes. So a new Game Gear shooter is in development from Game Impact. It's the same team that designed GGLS Day 2. It's called Gunstream, and looking good.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot out there on this yet, but there's a short teaser video that has a few seconds of footage and then some screenshots. But it looks very much like a spiritual successor to GGLS 2. And I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Limited Run Games is doing a physical Super NES cartridge re-release of Rendering Ranger R2, which is uh, visually impressive, hybrid, run-and-gun, and shmup. And as of this recording, pre-orders close on September 4th. So by the time this episode comes out, you'll probably only have a week or so, maybe two weeks, to uh, to get that in so definitely if you're interested go check that out
2: yeah that's one of those games that's really pricey to get now for original copy yeah definitely recommend it
1: I was, it had to have been a late release
2: well it was Super Famicom only right and it was also it was done by, was it Virgin Interactive I think
1: I'm not sure I mean it's very inspired it, by Turrican
2: Yeah, that's one of the weird things with a lot of these releases and these Japan-only releases. They always have these Western publishers. There's one about... um, It's a action platformer with a ninja that was on Saturday. I forget the name of it. But it was... EA published it. So it's always these weird Western publishers doing these... Eastern style games that end up becoming really expensive as people discover them later on. Huh? The electric underground shmup Kumite two event took place. August 8th. And was a lot of fun. The full two part video archive can be found on the electric underground's YouTube page. Yeah. I definitely had a lot of fun watching this. I was able to catch a little bit here. It's, you know, you can't just say, Oh, kids take care of yourselves for a little bit. I gotta watch shmups, right?
1: Yeah, I managed to catch most of the event, and while I wouldn't say it was as exciting as a Shmup Slam event, it was definitely fun, and there were some impressive runs.
2: Well, that's just because Ed wasn't doing an Airy 88 one-handed run.
1: That's true. That's hard to beat. Uh, August 4th saw the release of Shooting Game Kari on Steam which is a free-to-play and free-to-download game from Soft. Uh It's a doujin shoot-'em-up. Yeah, shooting game K-A-R-I. So if you have a Steam account, go check that out.
2: Sounds good. Japanese doujin developer Cider Skein, Is that how you pronounce that? I think so. Okay. Remember, I did go to the Mark MSX School of Pronunciation. This is true. Japanese doujin developer, Sider Skane, has teased a forthcoming game, Altinex Origin, which appears to be a remake of the original doujin Altinex X game that predated the tale of Altinex Trilogy of Games. Graphically styled similar to Kamui, the game has a melee mechanic in addition to shooting, which can eliminate some bullets. Well, that reminds me very much of... Uh, Radiant Silvergun there. Uh-huh. Originally released on the FM Towns in nineteen ninety six.
1: Yeah. So
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I mean the footage so far looks really good. So I I like the Altenx trilogy, so it will be cool to kinda of get another game to be able to make it a quadrilogy.
2: Then they'll split that off, and, and, and that the prequels will become its own thing. We'll have a prequilogy. Yeah. Hey, any, any way we can slice and dice it, and I'll done X and we'll be good.
1: Yeah. A new indie shoot 'em up called Flash has a Steam page with a demo. It's a horizontal Danmaku style with hand drawn art and sort of a comic book. St- style to it that has this gruesome sort of cartoony look. Uh, it's interesting. Definitely one to give a try.
2: So, are they trying to take like Night of the Living Dead and turn into a shmup? Because that sounds pretty cool.
1: Yeah, not quite. It's It's not gruesome in that way. I don't know. It's hard to describe. You just kind of have to go watch the video. Think
2: Oh I want it to be have like a chain a guy with a chainsaw melee attack and say hello to my boomstick.
1: Think the cartoony and almost whimsical look of something like Project Starship X combined with the body horror of like the Yakoga the games. Gear.
2: <laughs> of, of what the games?
1: Yakoga Games.
2: Oh, okay. Let's see. It's like our type, but it's cartoony.
1: Yeah, it's odd.
2: Huh? That is definitely odd. Let's give that a shot. According to Twitter account at P-O-T-P-J, a new Dojin shooter is in development tentatively called T Project STG. It's apparently been in development for two years, and based on the teaser video, looks inspired by Gladius or Gladius in Darius Games. As well as other horizontal SDGs. Slave for a 2024 release. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, another SDG is certainly welcome. right yeah, although at this point, I swear I've already filled up our calendar and then some. Yeah.
1: Well, and when you look at the teaser video, uh, it, there are definite inspirations from, like I said, Gradius and Darius, but then there's also a melee mechanic. So, it looks like it's. Could be very promising.
2: Well, you know, as long as people are willing to try out new things with SDGs, I think it's a good thing. It doesn't matter to me how many are released. I just welcome new ideas and new fresh takes. Yep. As long as the passion is here, I'll keep playing.
1: Yeah. Uh, additional student games have been announced for the Mega Drive Mini 2, uh, including Denon Alest which we got in the West as robo -er Alest, and then also an enhanced version of the Sega Genesis port of Viewpoint, which apparently has an overclock that should make it perform better than it did on the original system. This would also mark the first time that the Genesis version of Viewpoint would be released in Japan, which I was not aware of.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see what the box art looks like on that, man. The viewpoint cover art for Genesis needs some work.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
2: It's like somebody took it literal.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You
2: know, someone looking at the back of a dollar bill. Oh, the Eye of Providence on the back of a dollar bill. Yeah, let's add that in there and... Uh, <laughs> Throw some more triangles in there. That works. Everybody loves triangles. Yes. Yeah. In the Genesis version, the one thing I hope they improved was the soundtrack because that was not its strong suit.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we said in the Viewpoint episode, they tried their best and honestly, what they came up with was impressive, but ultimately it falls short compared to the Neo Geo original. And now I can hear red McKnight screaming at his phone as he listens to the podcast saying no the Genesis version is better
2: <laughs> no I mean if that's sure if that's what you go for go for it but uh, it's to me this is one clear case where the neo Geo version sounded better yeah there's a new homebrew. Game Boy Advance game called Bullet GBA, which is a bullet hell simulator and it's free to download
1: yeah this is a neat little project I'm gonna have to grab
2: yeah, this you know, out of all the I am thinking out of all the stuff that you hear for that people are developing these days Game Boy Advance doesn't come out too often
1: no so between this and Dangan GB definitely gonna have to try these on the mister
2: and I mean, out of all the stuff on there, there really wasn't that much. Well, I, I suppose the Game Boy Advance was more than there was on the DS. The DS had what two, maybe four shmups.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nanostray One and Two, and a couple of others.
2: Yeah, well, it had Space Invaders if you count that, but the Space Invaders Extreme, right? And still, it's it's pretty slim pickings on there,
1: right? Or Katsui. Uh, death label, oh, right? But
2: but m- most people that's I mean, more like a boss brush. right? And I certainly it's still SDG. I'll give you. That. I
1: certainly don't want to pay five hundred dollars for a Ketsui Bosh rush at this point.
2: I don't know you if you if you find yourself selling another one of those band albums, maybe you can.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a Japanese shmup streaming event taking place August 21st called Matari STG Relay 2, which will include demonstrations of 10 different shooting games from Toho and other Dujin shooters to various arcade shooters. Uh, Check out Plasmo underscore STG on Twitter to get the translated English schedule.
2: That sounds good. Plasma's always got some good stuff going on. Yeah. Just like Aquas, right? it is definitely different, but it's always interesting. Yep. All right. The Steam version of Bullet Hell Monday, which is a mobile SDG, will soon be an open beta. So sign up for the playtest on the game's Steam page. Yeah, that's that describes every single one of my Mondays. Bullet Hell. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll be curious to see if the analog control is kind of replicated in, uh, or the the fine control is replicated in the Steam release by either allowing you to use a mouse or with analog control, with real analog control. Uh, There's a new browser-based Dojin SDG called Shun. Uh, it's available on the Unity Room site, and it was apparently AI-generated, and the images are all based on stuff generated in Mid Journey. Uh, it's a simple, one-life short score attack game. I messed around with this for a few minutes, and this is impressive. Um, you know, it obviously would need some work to be polished if the dev was going to do something more serious with it but it certainly is a neat little time waster
2: well, I'll have to give it a shot at first when you said shoo and I thought maybe they were just doing a uh, rip off a of schoon.
1: <laughs> yeah no
2: But this sounds more interesting
1: no slow submarines in this game yeah
2: Although, I gotta love the Famicom version of that with those Irem red red carts. Yeah. Well, they weren't red, but they had the LEDs in there. Yep. yep. Uh, I wonder if someone just saw 2001 Space Odyssey and said, you know what all our cartridges need? We need to put how into all of our cartridges. <laughs> Give me a big red LED. Oh, yes.
1: Well,
2: in sad news here... The final episode of the Venerable Bullet Heaven series of reviews on YouTube has been released, covering the game uh, Chotensu Rikina, uh, aka Ironclad. Studio Mudplants has retired from the series in favor of other types of content. They will continue to stream and release videos, just no more specifically focused shmup reviews, and, and I, I think that's that's a good thing for him because it's doing shmups all the time go, or going full shmups is extremely hard to do, and the burnout risk is extremely high. I, I think that you need to balance that with some stuff. I mean, even you know, I don't play shmups exclusively, and I'm certain you don't. It's you need a more more than just mops in your diet in order to uh, maintain a healthy gaming balance.
1: Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, Ed's been doing that for thirteen years, so he certainly has earned himself a break and uh, the ability to diversify his content. So
2: you know, I sort of jokingly look at him or could put him inside the Grinch for 13 years now. I have played these games and the noise, noise no, we could probably turn make like a Grinch parody out of that easily.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, but I mean...
2: He's played his fair share of to Kosoge too. I'm sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, hats off to Ed for certainly keeping interest in the genre alive during a time when the genre was all but dead and helping to revive the genre in a lot of ways to where now it's in a much healthier place than it was a decade ago.
2: Yeah, I definitely contribute, Ed, to having a huge impact on there. I remember when Mark MSX start, first started... Uh, uh, that he was lamenting, like, how do we get people involved in shmups? And I don't see that question brought up anymore. Is I think there there is enough of a base to support shmups that are created and there's enough of a passion to that, and shmups that are released do so. I mean, I look at Pocky and Rocky. They how many... F- how much during the summer did we... Uh, and they were delayed, sure, but how many shmups did we end up getting? We got a Death Miles 1 and 2, that came through. We got Pocky and Rocky reboot. There We got the uh, Rock and Roll Cotton. That would have been unheard of, even two years ago. Oh,
1: yeah. And I mean, when, when Mark and MSX started, and when we started, now three years ago, the genre was just kind of coming into a little bit of a renaissance where we were seeing more doujin releases more indie games new stuff popping up and now I think the genre is the healthiest it's been in at least 15 years
2: and and look at all the cave re-releases on there I mean, limit to Run Games, The I, I'm pretty certain that Josh is a pretty big fan of SDGs and the, the stuff that they've worked out with M2 to bring in. they bought I think Grega, Feveron, and they worked with Livewire, Mushi, and uh, Espaluda 2 just finished up. And uh, one could easily say that uh, DFK is on its way.
1: Oh, yeah. I can't imagine they won't do a, a DFK release.
2: And then after that I wonder what they're going what they're going to do. Well, hopefully they can do uh well DFK has black label on it, right, with the stuff that they've got. So maybe that they do a ketsui finally, you know, put put that on, move that away from the M2 and put that on switch. I don't I think know think it probably could be done.
1: I'm I'm hoping that the DFK release includes the ketchupazi or uh yeah, Ketsupachi uh DLC.
2: Oh, um then there's the uh the, the third one, shoot uh that I can't think of there the D. O. J.
0: Yeah. Too
2: many acronyms. I feel like I'm talking in ID here. T C P I P <laughs> The TCP IP version, you know, your, your Netscape Navigators, no. <laughs> <laughs> your D- DOJ, or even something like uh, Pink Sweets or Ibarra would be nice, or, you know, get that dual pack on there if you're going with the rest of that stuff, or you get your <laughs> um, Pink Sweets slash Muchi Pork on there. Heck, I'll even take Muchi Muchi Pork by itself.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, any way that we could get more of these games in a better format would be nice.
2: Agreed. Definitely agreed. And, and even if they go back to the well and start doing um, <laughs> uh, the, the originals on there, Don Pachi, Pachi. I might stop and think for a moment if they do B-Storm. <laughs> <laughs> Don Pachi and Dodon Pachi definitely
1: yeah, I would.
2: Yeah, and D, DOJ.
1: I, I would love to see a, a dome patch, donut patch, double pack, or something like that.
2: It's double the bees with donum patch and donut patchy. <laughs> uh, or, or you know, even heck, even a switch of feveron. Yeah, and I mean they already did uh, Esper- Esperade. Yep. Uh, or and whatever you want to pronounce. But it would be interesting if that that went to the Switch, but that could still get a U.S. physical release.
1: Right.
2: And there. What else? Uh, Espaluda, They haven't done that for Switcher. That, that that's stuck on the PS2, as far as I know. Yep.
1: The original Espaludah.
2: Yep. I wonder if they would do uh, go back to that.
1: That would be Try nice. i think
2: What else is on the 360 that they could bring back? Uh, most of the stuff has already come out, right? The, the other one that they had which I think we covered last month was What's it the, the space one that that's really expensive now, but they did a redux of it? I'm trying to think of uh, Shoot Do de- de- something force? I think it is. That's all right. I, I Swear I'm pulling a page out of Geriatra Maku's book this this month here with my recent issues with my um, not carb, but my arthritis in my neck and then uh, forgetfulness, I might have to steal his username. Oh. <laughs> but, no, we, we talked about, uh, what the heck is that? It's not Rigid, rigid Force, Is the R-Type one.
1: Oh, yes.
2: It's a, it's a 360 one that, that they came out and then they came out with a um, a sequel, and it's been on Steam forever. But the 360 version is outrageously expensive.
1: Oh, are you talking about Bullet Soul?
2: I think Bullet is it Bullet Soul. I think it yeah, is.
1: Yeah, Bullet Soul, and then Bullet Soul Infinite Burst. So
2: Infinite Burst, yes.
1: Yeah, those are and that's
2: coming out to Steam is it soon? Not Steam, but that uh, is Switch.
1: Yeah, that's getting a Switch release. Really
2: Infinite soon. Burst. Yeah. Eschatos, uh, yep, and then of Force which are coming out very soon too yeah there's uh, there's really not much left on the 360 that I can think of I mean Death Smiles 2 was one of the biggest ones that was on there but that's already out yep and DFK had the black label that a lot of people seem to like but that's that's was combined in with the Switch release and you know that's coming with probably before the end of the year from Limit to Run games
1: right and Akai Katana is getting another release
2: right I I'm still amazed I was able to snag that game for 13 bucks brand new on Amazon no one cared about that game for a while now it's <laughs> 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 now it's not so much
1: right Yeah, now it's expensive but
2: anyway yeah So like like in 5 nobody cared about coffee on the Switch nobody cared now all of a sudden it's like 130 bucks.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Hold on to your coffee; it ages very well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so let's shout out our participants for the month. Uh, we had you and I, of course. We also had Fomacho, Geriatric Don uh, Danmaku, Normatron, Corkman. Uh, Drake tungsten, SPM, and Schlarp.
2: Thank you for all who participated. I especially like Schlarp. I don't know why. To me, it sounds like a um, like the the evil version of Snarf. <laughs> you know, the one with maybe a Snarf with a goatee or something. <laughs> it's sharp, my evil twin from another dimension. <laughs> Oh, it's just a good name. I like it. Doppelganger. Doppelganger, indeed. Or, or as my son has recently been watching uh, the remake of Danger Mouse from like 2015, where they call the evil dimension the Twisty Verse. Uh, It's Slarp from the Twisty Verse. There you go. Alright, so now that we've given a nonsensical. To this, let's continue on here. Our game of the month for July was Ride Fighters. Ride in Fighters was released in arcades in November 1996, developed and published by Cebu Kaihatsu. This game ran on Cebu SPI hardware, which used an Intel 386DX CPU, which means it has a math coprocessor, a custom Cebu graphics chip, as well as a Yamaha YMF 271F and Zilog Z80 AP-8 for sound processing. Each game is a smaller data board that connects to the main board so the system is modular. Other Cebu game SBI games include Viper Phase 1, Raiden Fighters 2, and Raiden Fighters Jet. Really good lineup there. No trouble. Originally the game was going to be called Gundogs, but Sabu changed the name shortly after the game's release. There's some early promotional material out there with the Gundogs logo. Branding, but even some magazine coverage. From everything I've been reading on this, they changed it because the name Raiden was just a bigger marquee name to attract. Yep. Japanese magazine Game Machine listed Raiden Fighters in the December 15th, 1996 issue as the third most popular arcade game from those previous two weeks. A port to the Sega Saturn was planned for release in 1997 from Victor EA. Japan but was subsequently canceled. That's a list of things the AS killed. <laughs> Additionally, a port to the original Xbox and PC were planned called Ride and Fighter Solution, but was also canceled. Eventually it did get a release to the PC, which we'll get on in just a second. Ride and Fighters did finally get a Home version more than a decade after Appears in arcades with the Raiden Fighters Aces released on the 360 In 2009 Developed by Success and Gulti Is it G- or Gulti
1: I, I, I'm not sure yeah.
2: Okay And published by Valcon Games Success is the creator of the Cotton Series and other notable games from Developer Gulti include Mamaukun Curse, Strike Witches and RxN Raijin Good stuff other notable releases published by Valcon are Gunslingers, Corvette Evolution GT, Suzuki TT Superbikes, and a port of James Pond 2 Codename Robocod to the Game Boy Advance. You had me going until the very end. <laughs> you just dropped the ball. Because of the odd 56 Hz refresh rate of the original Riding Fighters, are Kate Kevin and the 360 port was tweaked to allow for 60Hz standard refresh rate. Ride in Fighters also saw a release on the Android uh, in the Ride Ra- in Legacy collection from publisher.emu in 2013 and also was available on the Ouya, imported to Windows, um, release for Steam and GOG. This collection includes all three Ride in Fighters games as well as the original Ride in Arcade release. The Ride and Fighter series is known for a large number of secrets in each game, many of which are key to scoring your lot of points. And the story on this is just great. It doesn't beat around the bush, it's just like, hey, bad guy here, go destroy. <laughs> a dictator commands their army to attack vicious locations. A flight of new aircraft codenamed Gundogs is deployed to, to the state-of-the-art weaponry to fight back the dictator's army and destroy the main headquarters. And they don't even show anything with the dictator. It's never named he, she, them, us. There's no pronouns for just dictator. Yeah. And it it just yeah just sort of moving along. And even by the riding fighter's jet, I don't think they do anything other than like evil dictator.
1: Right. I
2: like the the. It works.
1: Yeah, the simplicity is great good guys good bad guys bad you go kill bad guys that's all you need
2: yeah it, it doesn't quite need to follow the plot of uh, wreck it Ralph <laughs> doesn't need to get that complicated
1: although when you get into your your uh, ride and fighter ship you're gonna wreck it.
2: But you are indeed. You could almost say you pity the fool.
1: <laughs> so looking at the gameplay, there's a lot going on here. Uh, it seems simple on the surface because it's a three-button game. You've got one button for your standard shot, one button to bomb, and then one button for rapid fire. Uh, now, when you hold down the regular fire button, you charge up a more powerful blast, and that is dependent on your ship and your weapon. Apparently, you can also hold down the bomb button to sort of partially control where it will detonate when you let go of the button.
2: Oh, I thought that was like how loudly the guy shouts, BAM! <laughs> No, I, I didn't know about that. That was I'm pretty enough to give it that shot.
1: Yeah. It's something that uh, I think SPM discovered toward the end of the month. Uh, there are multiple power-up icons or pickups that you can get through the course of the game. Uh, when you destroy the red carrier enemies, they will drop a an icon that flips back and forth between L and M. The L icons will give your plane a laser weapon, and that can be powered up three times. Or the M icon gives you a missile type of weapon, which again can be powered up three times. Now, with the standard ship types, you can only use either laser or missile. They can't both be back to at the same time. The S icons will give you what's known as a slave ship. And it's kind of a side fighter that's similar to what you get in the 1942, 1943, 19XX series. And you can have two of them on screen at once uh, by collecting two of the icons.
2: Uh, the slave ships... Maybe we shouldn't use slaves. What do you think about minions?
1: Minions? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh they're not yellow though.
2: Uh yeah, I know. Uh, I I'm just trying to be more PC.
1: <laughs> I get it. I think of it like because I'm an IT guy, I think of it in hard in like hard drive terms. You know, back in the
2: oh, IDE flame.
1: drive days, you had a master drive and a slave drive. So, you know
2: well you know I'm okay with it as long as the jumper is set correctly exactly
1: but yeah uh, if the, the slave ships can also tank hits for you so they can actually take a few hits before they get blown up whereas your ship is apparently made of balsa wood because you can only take one hit and then you're dead
2: yeah, that's the major thing You have to keep in mind with this game. Their ships are made of tex Your ship is made of Balsonium <laughs> So it, yeah, And there are several times with, Like in the first stage boss Where it sort of does a quick Rapid fire spread And in the second stage boss sort of does it too Where it says you We know that you're good enough at dodging these bullets But then it does a rapid fire spread Where it leaves just enough Where you have to get your hitbox in there If you're playing as one of the slower ships, it's really hard to dodge this. So you're almost either going to have to bomb, or you're just going to have to maneuver one of the Tex Maxim ships in front of you.
1: Yeah, you pretty much have to know where to be. Um, Now, one of the things that you can also do is uh, collecting additional S-icons, depending on certain conditions... Can trigger different formations of the side ships, and uh, we can go more into more detail on that later. You, there are also B icons, which will add a bomb to your stock. And as you destroy some ground targets, and then also the blue planes, those will reveal metals, which you can collect for points. And those will go up in value as you go along, which again, we'll expand upon later. Uh, you can also occasionally reveal a Miklus by hovering over a certain spot for a f- short period of time, a couple seconds or whatever. And then when you shoot the Miklus, it will give you metals. and then once you exhaust the metal stock, then you get points.
2: Now, just to make sure we keep everyone on the same page, what is a Nicholas?
1: The Nicholas was a sort of Seibu Kaihatsu mascot. It's this squatty-looking little blue dragon thing. And when you reveal the Nicholas in earlier Raiden games, it was always a bonus item, similar to the medals that you would get from the boxes you could destroy on the ground. And the Miklas would always grant you more points than just the standard medals. But in this game, yeah. they kind of serve a dual purpose.
2: Now, Capcom had something similar, right? Whether they put in with all their early Nintendo games. What the. Um, oh. Was it Majin? What's up
1: You're talking about the Yashichi?
2: Yashichi. Yes, thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, You can also reveal fairies through different actions. So in the original Raiden, as we talked about, there are some spots that you can bomb or destroy to reveal a fairy. Well, in this game, the fairy situation is a little bit more complex. Uh, There are typically actions you have to fulfill in order to reveal a fairy. And then once you reveal a fairy, If you leave it on screen for about, I don't know, 3 seconds or something like that, then the fairy will drop a bomb icon that you can pick up. Um, And then you can pick up the the fairy itself for more points. But you have to be careful because you can actually shoot and kill the fairy. The arcade original release starts out with 5 selectable planes. You've got the Aegis, which is the default plane, and that is kind of what features on the Arcade Flyer and the Marquee.
2: That's that yellowish plane. Yes.
1: And it has uh, kind of your mildly above-average stats. So, you know, average movement, average speed, average defense, an average attack pyre, and then a balanced... uh, rapid-fire rate. The Beast Arrow has very slow movement speed, but excellent defense, and attack power, and a moderate rapid-fire rate. The Chaser has fast movement, low defense, and low power, but a fast rapid-fire rate. The Devastator has below-average movement speed, but it has good defense and power, and a below-average rapid-fire. And then the Endeavor has below-average movement speed and defense, but above-average power and a fast rapid-shot. And then the ship selection screen also has a question mark option, which, like a lot of fighting games, will give you a random selection.
2: So, question time. What ships or ships did you use?
1: Toward the end of the month, I found myself favoring the Devastator and the Endeavor. But they're all interesting to some degree. Uh, the, The Beast Arrow, I think I could learn to use
2: See, I really start out with the Devastator because I, I like that's the one that looks like the P38, if I remember correctly, and the basically the green P38, like the ship from uh, 1942 and 1943. Uh-huh. That one seemed to have really be good at dealing with the mid-range enemies, really cutting them down before they could leave the screen. In. A lot of times, I was getting the extra bonus points for cutting stuff off at the top, very top of the screen, or as soon as it appeared, was able to be destroyed with that chip. The only problem I ran into was it was really slow when he got into that special attacks from bosses, like the aforementioned tank on stage one, or or even with with one the near death attack on the second stage boss. it became really difficult to maneuver your slave slash uh, minions in the correct formation without destroying yourself or having to bomb. So I switched over to the Endeavor, which had a little bit more speed, and then it had the, uh, uh, what what I refer to call, like the Bug Zapper, or in this case, the uh, Popcorn Zapper. Oh. It was really quick at zapping all the popcorn enemies, especially with the um, the laser shot. Yep. And that helped keep a lot of the screen clearing, so that way I could fo- use the forward focus fire in order to destroy the midsize enemies. And really helped me maneuver around more, and it had enough speed to get it going. I, wa- I wasn't trying to uh, dr- drive a tractor th- through the mud. With this, it, it felt at least like I had a jeep that <laughs> I was trying to drive. Huh. Right. So it, uh, it was good at being mobile, and it wasn't like overly. Uh, not there is a balsa wood type. Um, when there wasn't it, was it the Spitfire that's in uh, Strikers 1945? Was that the one that was there? Was it called the Mosquito? I can't remember. But there's a really fast one that, like, one shot and just kills it.
1: Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I. Know but what yeah, you're but in
2: Strikers, about. yeah, the wood playing. But there was a. It was very similar to that, where it was just so fast, it could fly around the screen. But the problem with this game is you're going to need to tackle those mid range enemies no matter what. So, no matter how fast you deal with the popcorn, you're still going to need some decent firework power to back it up, unless you're just really hammering away at that button or. Really good at the game, so it it gives you a lot of options, but sort of pushes you in the general direction. I mean, it, the game wants you to play with the GS, so otherwise that wouldn't be the the forefront. That wouldn't be the marquee ship, right? But realistically, the Devastator or the Endeavor seem to be where most people want to go. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a little bit surprised that there wasn't maybe a little bit more variety because you could have gone a little bit more fantastical in this. Like, so let's say Strikers 1942 with the Flying Pancake. Oh, sure. But but the, the variety was, was definitely there. And I didn't feel like any one of these planes uh, was... I didn't feel cheated during any of the game plan. I didn't feel like the, the game was purposely trying to... Out, out, out to destroy I me, mean, like uh, Greg or something, where the rank was increasing too fast, or there, it, w- it was very nice. taco playthrough. play it through, and every time I died, it was because either I had missed something or I didn't move in the right direction. I did, and pleasantly surprised by this. It, I'll t- go on a little bit more later, but this is w- probably a game that I would go back to more than any of the regular Raiden games.
1: Cool. Oh, and also, uh, each of your primary planes starts with a bomb stock of two. Now, in addition to the five main fighters, you can also unlock hidden craft. Uh, You've got the Raiden Mark II, which is, of course, the ship from Raiden II, Uh, And that has slow movement speed and moderate defense, but is very powerful. I think it's the most powerful ship in the game. And it has a high rate of uh, rapid fire. In order to unlock the Mark II, on your plane selection screen, highlight the Endeavor, then press and hold your joystick to the right. That'll move it over to the question mark, and then press the Start button. And, unlike the standard planes, the Red Mark II can collect both the L and M icons, and then each of those two components powers up separately. And so you get your, your uh, standard shot powered up by the L, and then the M icon powers up your homing missiles. And then each can be powered up three times, and the Mark II starts with three bombs in stock. You also have the Judge Spear which has very fast movement speed but poor defense and below average shot power um, which is then compensated by a high rapid-fire rate. Uh, to unlock the Judge Spear you highlight the Chaser, hold down on the joystick, and then press Start. And again, the L powers up your forward laser, and the M powers up the green napalm missiles that appear in Viper Phase 1, which is where the Judge Spear is from. And again, each can be powered up three times, and then you start with three bombs in stock for the Judge Spear. And then, there are also slave ships that you can unlock and control. So if you're playing on the 360 part of the game, or on an arcade board where the Raiden Mark II and Judge Spear are unlocked, you just highlight the craft on the selection screen and press both A and B or shot and bomb buttons at the same time. And then that will activate the slave ship for that particular craft. And... Uh, On some Arcade Board revisions, you may need to press Start and Fire and Bomb together. And then, if you have an Arcade Board that only shows the main five, then the only one you can play as is the Judge Spears slave ship by highlighting the chaser, hold down the joystick, and then press Start, Fire, and Bomb together. Uh, When you play as a slave ship, it will inherit the attributes of the selected ship, uh, most notably the speed of that ship. Now keep in mind, the slave ships have no charge shot and only one type of firepower, so you can collect your L and M icons indiscriminately. It doesn't matter what you get because uh, you can only power up I think four times to a max level of five. And that gives you a wide, uh, rapid spread shot. Now, unlike the original Raiden series of games, Raiden Fighters is much faster and has a much more frenetic pace. Uh, It definitely shares more in common with Psycho or Rising games than the main series. And that's something I noted early on while I was streaming this and that someone someone said that if you said this was a lost entry in the Strikers 1945 series they would believe you and I kept thinking this bears a decent amount of resemblance in terms of flow and the military look and some of the approach with Valgriga <laughs> So, I made the joke that this is sort of Battle Garidon uh, because of the similarity with Rising games.
2: Yeah, it really does have a, a lot within the R- Rising, such as Striker series, especially 1 and 2, or within the uh, Sonic Wings right. series. There's a lot that seems to be. More so with the Strikers series because it randomizes the stages. But still, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of shared DNA. I wonder if any there was any crossover from the teams or uh, what sort of cross-pollination there could have been.
1: Yeah, it may have just been the Cebu folks playing and being inspired by some of the other shooters. Now, the game plays out over three areas, which is comprised of seven stages. And so the first two stages will be one of two, but their order will be different depending on uh, a number of factors that will be randomized. Stage three is always going to be the same, and then that essentially is your area one, stage one, two, and three. And then with area two, that's made up of stages four through six, and like stage 1 and 2, 4 and 5 are going to be random between the two locations. And then stage 6 um, you know, is always the same. And so then 4, 5, and 6 are area 2. And then area 3 is stage 7, which is always the same. And uh, in the arcade version, you can influence the stage order by holding up down, left, or right on the joystick before you hit the start button uh, after you insert a credit. And so that will determine your stage order. So for example, if you hold the joystick up before you hit start, then stage 1 will be the forest, stage 2 will be Arachi, stage uh, 4 will be the Arctic, and then stage uh, five will be the train. Whereas if you hold left on the joystick, you'll get Arachi, forest, arctic, train. If you hold down, you'll wow. get forest, arachi, train, arctic. So you can you can choose the stage order that you want in that sense.
2: I was always uh, speaking of stage order and stage boss. I was always surprised. One A or the tank boss. There, it seems like a large portion of that was just taken up by the boss moving. There, it, like it has to destroy a certain amount. There's always three huts that it has to destroy. And I was wondering, what the heck is the backstory on this? Is it just upset? One it it's like this guy ripped me off, or this <laughs> this guy stuffed me with a check and didn't pay for drinks last night, so I have to destroy it. <laughs> what was the point of all of, all of it? Destroying that, I, uh, I couldn't quite figure out why it makes you just sort of sit there and watching is <clears throat> a, a good couple minutes. It just it docks for, for like a moment. It's almost like it needs recharging or something. You know what I'm talking about?
1: I'll tell you the I'll tell you the same thing that Alfred told me. Some men just want to watch the world burn.
2: Oh, okay, that's what that. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's almost like it's on low battery power. Someone forgot it, it left the keys in and it has to dock all of a sudden. You attach the lightning cable. To get this thing charged up and then we can go go run over this guy's mailbox or hut. <laughs> then we can finally attack this ship. Uh yes. Well, it, it's just sort of weird the way it starts out. And right as soon as it's done docking, you can shoot the two, the two side turrets in order to get... You know, extra bonus points but it's just so weirdly scripted for a boss battle usually it's going out by guns blazing but this thing it just sort of starts up and it's almost like maybe somebody popped the clutch on it or something and it just stalls out <laughs> in the dark. I don't know how to describe it, it's just so weird and a little bit of a misstep when it has such a killer opening to the game it makes the first the one A fall a little bit flat compared to the rest of the bosses.
1: Sure, I can see that. You can influence your slave ship formation to an extent, and this is all info that I'm taking from the Raiden Fighters Emporium site by Gags, who was uh, a longtime Schmups forum. Uh, regular so it's based on a a what's called a formation sum on his page which is sort of how many lives and how many bombs you have in, in stock so if you have no lives and no bombs or four or eight of both combined you get a you get a formation that has your, your side ships at 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock and they're fixed there and they have this two-way fire that sort of spreads out from the two ships. If you have one life and no bombs or a combination of five lives and bombs or nine lives and bombs, then you'll get a slow uh, trailing options or fixed position depending on whether you're using the Mark II or the Judge Spear or one of the other standard shots. Uh, And that shoots two shots out of each of the side ships. If you have two or six combination of lives and bombs, then you get the crossing uh, formation where the two side ships go back and forth and sort of sweep uh, and then covers more ground that way. And that has three-way fire. Or if you have a combination of three or seven lives and bombs, then you get what's called enemy searching. And it's sort of homing options. Not unlike the homing option uh, choice in Battle of Orega.
2: You know, I mean, I appreciate the level of detail that went into this, but it's, it's a very, I don't know, to me, this takes away from the fun of the game. If I'm having to control the matrixy chart or conversion chart every time I'm trying to play this game, it's, it's some of the fun out of it for me. Maybe I'm just not the right type of person for this thing in here, but it. It almost feels like you're saying, "Well, when the seventh moon comes uh, over Mars, it will be the dawning of the age of Aquarius."
1: <laughs> well, I think it's one of those things where you can engage with these systems, but you don't necessarily have to.
2: I didn't. I, I get it. if you want to min max your points, but it's just it seems overly complicated for the system is STG. maybe I'm wrong in this maybe I'm just not the target audience but to me it just seems a little bit needlessly complicated.
1: Sure. Uh, also the game has rank where if you reach the end of stage two without dying, then the enemy rank increases, which of course makes them more aggressive and bullets will go faster. So beware.
2: Yeah, thankful it's not Gregorink though.
1: Yeah, right.
2: Gregorink is in quarter, prepared to die. Uh, I've lost track of where the heck we are. Graphics. We are at graphics. Yep. I'm staring. Oh, yeah, i was staring at the graphics for the graphics. All right. All right. Let's move on to graphics. Raiden Fighters is brighter than earlier riding games with a more vibrant overall palette. And bullets are generally clear and easy to see, and have large detailed sprites and backgrounds. Yeah, there wasn't any shots that made me go, what the heck was that? Where did that come from? And although I felt that sometimes maybe I'm fairly sniped, such as the turrets on stage 1B <laughs> on, on the B-52 bombers there, it, it's overall a very vibrant game and bullets bullets do a very good job of standing out even the different types of bullets that are on there i I didn't find anything that sort of blended in especially stage 1a with a large amount of greenery on there nothing sort of stuck inside the background and came out of nowhere that the enemy ships were all decently colored, so you know what the heck you're shooting at. I didn't have the uh, Micronics 1942 port syndrome, where everything looked the same. Right. And then even the water looked like land. So, th- that was really nice. Uh, yeah. It, it really just is about on par, of, or maybe just a little bit better than what you get out of a Strikers game. Uh, talking about Strikers 1 and 2, I always thought that those were visually pleasing and were very well, and and Ra- Fighter's apes that graphical style very well.
1: Yeah, it does
2: and the explosions were easy to read and see the bullets were easy to read to see it was easy to differentiate where the heck your ship was it's really good job all around
1: yep I think the visual design in general is pretty strong even with the more basic military theme
2: mhm and the sound the explosions of the larger enemies are bassy or bassy Impactful, not Billy Bassy. Shot sounds don't overwhelm the mix and are minimal. No more steel vampire issues. Very high technical techno energy music for the soundtrack, which you know it's not necessarily memorable, but it keeps the things the pacing pretty well upbeat and uh, makes you want to keep going. I mean, it, not everything can be gallantry, right?
1: Right. I think it works for the action, though. And I, I know I commented yep. on stream on how Stage 3's theme seems so much more light and upbeat than the rest of the game, which was kind of interesting. Definitely reminded me more of a traditional ride and track than the more high energy stuff that the rest of the game kind of had. I don't know if that was a deliberate choice to hmm. balance it out a little bit, or what?
2: I'm not sure. That's a good point.
1: So, diving into scoring, all of this info I'm taking uh, from, again, from Ryden Fighter's Emporium, from Gags, And, of course, as with most of these games... You know, your standard source of scoring is going to be shooting down enemies, collecting medals, and then collecting power-ups for weapons that you've already maxed. But, there's a lot of other scoring opportunities, and so there are some specific bonuses you can get in-game. It almost feels like achievements, because when you pull off these things, then you see a text notification at the bottom of the screen showing you that you've done something. And so you've got Quick Shot, which is when you kill a medium or large enemy before it has a chance to fire, and that can be worth anywhere from 10 to 100,000 points. You've got Destroyed at a Time, which is a little clumsy, but That's 100,000 points, and that's if you have two targets and you destroy them within about a second of each other, you get that bonus. When you discover the fairy, of course, that gives you the opportunity to then subsequently collect that fairy and earn 100,000 points, plus the bomb if you leave it on screen long enough so that it will drop the bomb. And as I mentioned before, you can also kill the fairy, which unfortunately is only worth ten points. So you're not going to score very
2: well the bomb? What's that? Oh, I was wondering how many points you get for setting up the bomb.
1: Oh, yes. I don't know.
2: Uh, if If someone set us up the bomb, I wonder how many points we get for that. I guess there's only one way to find out is to try, your, try moving your Zeke yourself.
1: Yeah, Yes. Uh, you can also discover the Miklus by hovering over some specific spots in various stages for a couple of seconds. And then once you discover the Miklus, you want to shoot at it which will release additional metals uh, up to nine metals. And then once you've done that, then the Miklus is worth 100,000 points. Now, in the forest stage, you can also get the defend the house bonus. And so if you bomb when the large tank is going to shoot the houses and you effectively prevent... The large shells the tank shoots from destroying those houses, you can then defend it, and that's a hundred thousand bonus points. Uh, and then in the battleship boss stage, if you destroy the hover ship while sparing the tanks trying to enter the hover ship, you get the destroyed hover ship first bonus, which is ten thousand points. I'm not sure how worth pursuing that is compared to some of the other things.
2: I was really surprised at the amount of ways to earn extra credit as it were in, in this game. It was really neat to... We talked about Easter eggs earlier, right? These are sort of like scoring Easter eggs.
1: Yeah. And one thing that's interesting is how this sort of carries forward in the Raiden Fighters games. But it's an interesting diversion from the real basic methodology of the original Raiden series. Whereas, by comparison, this game and its scoring is fairly esoteric. But I think that's one thing a lot of people enjoy about it. Because there is stuff to unlock, secrets to discover, and interesting things to find. So just to give a, a real brief breakdown, when you when you reveal medals on screen, whether it's a blue plane that drops a medal or a ground enemy that drops a medal, um, when that appears on screen, it'll be a certain value. And once you pick that medal up, assuming there are no medals on screen, then the next time you reveal that, it'll be worth more money. So, just by way of example, the medals start at 10 points. And so, you can collect a medal at 10 points, then collect the next medal at 20 points, and on and on. And essentially what you have to do is make sure that you're not just firing indiscriminately, if you're trying to increase your metal values, so you need to be a bit more measured and patient about it than just all guns blazing. And what you do is you collect your 10 point metal, 20 point, 30, etc., until you get up to 80 or 90. Then, if you collect the S icon and add a slave ship, then you upgrade your metal. So then you start at 100, and you can go all the way up to 900. And then you would collect the second slave ship, at which point the 10,000 metal component or uh, uh, yeah segment will will trigger, and then that'll bump your metals up from 100, and then continue to collect all the way up to 900. Assuming that you've been able to do that in sequence, then once you hit that 9,000 mark, then it should roll over and allow you to then start collecting 10,000 point medals. In order to upgrade the 10k medals, it's a different approach. Uh, So instead of shoot the medals, collect them, and then the next one you collect will be worth more. This one is a more interesting situation. What you need to do is go into a level and reveal up to nine or at least nine of the 10k medals at a time. If those are all present on screen for a couple of seconds, then they will sort of poof and disappear. And then... Um, Subsequent metals that you pick up will be worth 20,000, 30,000, etc., up to 100,000. At that point, once you're at the 10,000 point mark or above, if you allow a metal to fall off screen, then it will reset your metal chain, but only back to the 10K. Um, You can always climb that back up. So that's sort of a brief treatise on scoring and I I think Geggs explained it in better detail on his site and in general in a more I don't know a more interesting way but that's kind of the 10,000 foot view and the max metal value you can achieve is 100,000 points so of course the sooner you get there the sooner um you know we'll be able to you'll be able to score big time
2: and definitely a, a lot more to it than you would initially expect
1: yes for sure all
2: right all right with that behind us let's talk, move on to the impressions of the game our first thought comes to us from at spm i tried every ship and will likely play it with the chaser or its slave it has the best speed in my opinion Everything else felt slow except for the insanely fast Judge Spear, which I just can't control. That the metal system works like its sequel, and one I can easily reach those 100% medals. Oh sorry, 100,000 medals, without knowing any Nicholas secrets, which I like. These these games have too many secrets. There's always the option to optimize the first stage and reach those 100,000 there with the Nicholas and stuff. But for now, I'll be happy in. There by the end of stage 2 or the beginning of stage 3. Later on, <laughs> I think learning the metal system and maybe 2 to 3 Miklis to speed things up is enough for a fun 1cc. Taking the first mission to unlock the 10,000 through 100,000k medals without too much pressure and in straight survival play, picking up as many medals as possible in stages 4 through 7. Well, that's what I plan to do anyway. Later on, Today, I went to the gym with Raiden Fighters OST. What a great session. Every rep was a medal, every set a Miculus. <laughs> Ultimately, I lost every bomb and life left. But I'll put another credit on Wednesday. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Later post. Between the ship speed, I'm using the chaser slave and the impulse to grab every medal. I keep flailing around like a maniac and dying. Only once did I get past mission 2 and that was using bombs in the last part of stage 3 where it gets quite difficult. Raiding fighters 100,000 came, so 100,000 medals in 2 stages. Trying to trigger every secret in 100,000 medals in stage 1 was a bit frustrating and led to restart bleep. Uh, We'll say hack I guess, restart hack, we have to keep this family friendly. (laughs) This is much easier and forgiving. Light scoring is where it's at. Enjoy the scoring systems. Don't fight them. <laughs> so, what's that one? Dr. Dr. Strange Love? How I learned to stop worrying and enjoy the scoring systems?
1: <laughs> Something like that.
2: SPM summarized scoring nicely in Discord. Based on Raiden Fighter scoring from Greg's. there are three colors of medals... Grey, blue, and green each corresponds to how many drone planes, the small planes that fall around you, similar to the Gradius or Gladius options. You have zero drones, you get grey medals, one drone, you get two blue you get blue medals, two drones, you get green medals. Grey metals are worth in the ten through ninety points, blue medals are worth a hundred through nine hundred points, and green medals are worth a thousand through nine thousand points. The first thing to do is increase the value of all three colors to their maximum Gray at 90, blue at 900, and green at 9,000. To increase the value of a color, collect a metal of that color when there is only one left on the screen. If there is more than one metal of that color on the screen, they will not increase until you get the last one. You can do this in any order. Note that some websites claim you have to do this in a certain order. However, that is not true. It's more efficient to do them in order. A quick way to raise a color to max is to shoot a mic list while you are directly on top of it. You will collect nine medals in a row as they pop out and go direct to maximum. If it didn't work, there's another medal on the screen somewhere. Remember, there can only be one medal present to increase value. Once you have all three colors at their max level, the next time medals appear, they will be gold. These are worth 10,000 points. They will stay at the level no matter how many drones you have. Congratulations, you are now past the hardest part. (laughs) Once you have 10,000 point medals, the next step is to get 9 medals on the screen at the same time. The quickest way to do this is to shoot a hidden Nicholas while you are not on top of it. Which puts the 9 medals on the screen very quickly. Or you can do it manually in an area with lots of medals by not collecting them until they are on the screen. Once there are 9 medals on the screen, they will all explode. This is your cue that you should move to step 3. The next medal you collect will still be worth 10,000. Now, however, you can increase the value of the medals in the same way as you did in step 1. Select a medal when the only one is present on the screen, and they will raise the value by 10,000. Up to a maximum of 100,000, it doesn't matter how many drones you have. <clears throat> Note that you can miss a medal, and if it falls off the screen, the value reset to 10,000, you can still increase it back to 100,000. I'm a light scoring player myself, I do enjoy scoring, but usually don't get too far with it. But yeah, the metal system is so much fun. Too many little secrets, though. By the way, I played a little bit before lunch and realized we can hold the bomb button the time when the bomb will explode. I had no idea. Releasing the button when the bomb is right, just right at the enemy's face is so satisfying. Uh, <laughs> you know, people all the time in Call of Duty would talk, make sure to cook your grenades. Cook your bombs.
1: <laughs> yup. Yeah, SPM really went ham on this game and uh, did some impressive stuff. The run posted in the Discord was really impressive, win, which you'll see when we get to the scores.
2: Kudos to you, sir, for someone who says just light scoring. You really went at it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Geriatric Don Maku uh, commented. Uh, and said, I just retried the famously reportedly bad Raiden Legacy Steam port of Raiden Fighters. Is it as bad as we were told? Yes. Uh, activate G Sync for potentially native frame rate. Then still judders. Control mapping options. I
2: thought he said negative frame rate.
1: <laughs> Control mapping options are incomplete. Can't map my current controller's buttons. Might have been able to, with help from Anti-Micro, but why bother? Does not offer full ship selection. Where's that classic Raiden fighter? MAME version plays much better. Raiden Legacy will be uninstalled and re-banished to the Steam Hidden list.
2: I knew it was bad, but man, I didn't realize it was that bad.
1: Yeah, so kudos to Geriatric Danmaku for the public service announcement on the Raiden Legacy.
2: Thank, thank, thank you for sacrificing yourself on the pile of kosoge so that others may not have to.
1: Yes, thank you for falling on your sword. Or your Judge Spear.
2: <laughs> Alright, there we go. We... we... Uh, how much are we in before we got into our first dad joke? <laughs> our next comment comes to us from at corkman. I'm totally in. I love me some Ride and Fighters and have been meaning to play it more and really dive into scoring mechanics. I picked up a 360 and a bunch of shmups for it all at once. It was too many at once, but it was back when they were cheap. Ride and Fighters really stuck out for me, even though I got this 360 to play cave games. If anyone was curious, the Xbox Live leaderboards are still active for riding fighters. None of the scores seem older than year. I'm not sure if the scores are only active for year or stuff, or got moved to a new server, or something so old scores got erased. I'm seeing there's a lot of interesting scoring te- tricks to this game. Cool stuff. I will keep shooting the fairies by accident, however.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes.
2: Don't shoot the fairies.
1: Yellow Aegis, shot the fairy.
2: <laughs> uh, are, are, are we going to Gauntlet now? Are we, go, are we going to... Uh, warrior needs food badly? Something like that.
1: Uh, Phil Macho joined in and said, I'm having fun with this. I played dozens of runs just selecting the random plane option. Destroyer and Beast Arrow emerged as the planes I was doing the best with. There's so much risk-reward in this game. I only just now noticed if I give the fairies a few seconds, they'll drop a bomb. But you have to balance your positioning, holding your fire, knowing what's coming next, and the speed of your ship. Is a bomb worth it if you miss the 100,000 points from collecting the fairy? Just had a great run and got to the fourth stage with score of 5,442,450. I'm hoping to get a 3cc by the end of the month. Also, I'm team defend the house. And then later in the the thread, Fomacho said, Big score jump for me. 16,870,580. I finally learned the meddling mechanic from watching Guru streams. I actually went desert stage first. I can get to 90 by the first S icon uh, when that appears. Get a Miklas and set on top of it to get up to 900 immediately, then get the second S, get the fairies, and finish the stage at about the 3000 point metal mark. Get to 9000 point by the end of the quick shot segment, release another Miklas, and have all the medals on screen trigger to climb to the 100k medals. I didn't get the farthest I've ever been on first credit, but I think I made it to the final boss on my last life of credit 3. I'd really like to get a 3cc and see the end. In case I don't have better news to post, final thoughts and random thoughts. Stage 6 is a snoozer. I love that no matter how bad your score is, they'll say you got to 8th place on the high scores, but then only track the top second, uh, 7. Great little manipulative encouragement. I'm still team defend the house, but if I try to get that fairy, I will die, making it all worthless. It's kind of a check that I'm playing well enough in a run, though. Great game. Could keep playing for another month.
2: All right, very good sentiments there. Our next comment comes from Normatron. The battleship stage tends to rip me apart, but I think I know which two ships work best for me anyways. It's strange that is the slowest and the fastest two ships. I think it's called the Spearhead that got me the best score. I think it's called the Spearhead that got me the best score. It's a straight shooter, but the bombs have good spread and impact. If you have your small ships, they usually cover your size. It's a great ship, it could become my favorite ship. I will say though that I had a lot of fun jumping back into Raiden Fighters, and I am definitely looking forward to the next challenge. Excellent, I'm glad that everyone who's had a chance to try it so far is enjoying themselves.
1: Yeah. And finally, we have Shlarp. I am still at overwhelming. I squeezed in some hours and tried to raise value per metal as fast as I could. I even managed to spawn the two Miklus Nikolai? Uh, in the jungle area, but failed to position myself to make use of the metals they spit out. But I really liked the game. I wanted to play some rounds and ended up for hours, just couldn't stop. Eventually, I noticed I am tired and just don't get any better. Uh, I could just score slightly above 1 million points. And subjective final thoughts? I consider myself mostly as a survival player, but I had so much fun with Raiden Fighter's score mechanic and its overall presentation that I will continue playing it occasionally and explore the two other fighters' games.
2: Excellent. I'm glad that everyone had positive time playing this game, it was something that oh, I will say I had a lot of fun playing too it was a little surprising I had heard people say it was a pretty good game but I never really had a chance to try I, I think that I ended up liking this better than the Striker series and I, I know I definitely like it better than the Arrow Fighters series it, it has a really good balance and it, it, it's got that you know like Austin Powers, it has an international man of mystery to it with the <laughs> scoring system. And are, are we are we gonna? Uh, is this gonna get me a bonus or not? And figuring out all the little nuances. Really gives that replayability. I think that the sh- ship variety is there, but everyone's gonna have their own. There and uh, let, let's face it, most people are probably gonna choose the. Um, slave or minion ships, anyways, because they have the smallest hitbox. True. In order to work there, but as one who played for mostly using the Devastator, I, I did find a good balance and again didn't think that anything was overblown on there. One of the things that I wish they would have done maybe a little bit more of when they did the 360 port is they did a great job with the options. But uh, ever since I've been playing M2 Sports, I really wish I could have had save states so I could replay a certain spot. Just getting back to some of the bosses on there in order to try and try again became a little tiresome. Yeah. Whereas if I was playing on, on MAME or something, then I would have the ability to do save states anyways. So it's almost a, a necessary quality of life feature these days. Granted, this was developed, what, when did this come out? Like, 2009? Yep. 2010, and that was well before M2 had started to establish its uh, dominance uh, or, or baselines of what should be in a re-release. So I got to definitely give them a pass. All in all, as long as you avoid doing what Geriatric Don did by trying the Steam slash GOG version and play the 360 port I think you'll do well and I hope that well I'm hoping for two things I hope that it gets uh, re-released somewhere especially on the Switch would be nice even if they are arcade archives so that way more people can play these games and I hope that we we have a chance to try the rest of these out because if it's anything like the World Hero series Jet's gonna be amazing
1: Yeah, I, I really, I really think that this game has legs, as evidenced by the scores. Uh, so, as I mentioned before, SPM has a staggering high score of thirty-one million one hundred seventy-one thousand twenty points. Fomacho came in next with the aforementioned 16,870,580 points. I ended up in third place with 16,006,400 points. And then Normatron with 5,054,680 points. So, final thoughts.
2: I think I already said mine, but I will echo and say that this would be a game that I probably could have gone at least two months playing.
1: Yeah, for me, this is one of those situations where I slept on this series way too long, and I'm glad that I was able to show off my first impressions of the game on stream, but I kind of wish that I had already played these a little bit um, and had a little bit more knowledge of the games going into this month. Because with so much esoteric scoring and hidden secrets and things, it would have been cool to be able to show that off maybe at a more high level. Either way, this is a game I want to come back to and I'm leaving the Raiden Fighter's Aces disc in my 360 for now because I want to make sure that I can continue to play this in some capacity. Because I was able to reach the final stage on one credit so with a little practice, I don't think a 1cc, at least with the Aegis Slave Ship would be unheard of. I don't know about the other ships yet, because nothing else is quite as powerful at, uh, especially at close range. But yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely want to come back to this, and it's an interesting case where, a lot of times it's a particular element that keeps me coming back, or it's a combination of elements, but. While the graphics are nice and the sound is fitting, those are not really draws for me the same way they are with a lot of other games. For this, it's pure gameplay and all of the secrets and nuances that kind of surround that. So it definitely kept me coming back through the month and has me excited to continue to play it.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree that it's going to be my 360 for quite a while. This is one of those games I had a couple of years ago. Well, I keep saying this, but this is post pandemic. It feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> Five years, six Anyways, a while ago, when I took a trip out to California, this was, I was able to acquire this game back when GameStop still carried it and it it was beautiful condition it had uh, man everything looked like the person really enjoyed and took care of it and thankfully I was able to get it for uh, a song before it really went up in price and still have the ability to play it because this is I think if you were to give me a list of someone would say what STGs should I play this game the Raiden Fighter series would definitely be on there.
1: Yeah, and even with the price increase, I would still say it's worth looking into because you're talking about three games and if the other two games are at this level or higher, then this is going to be a, a package to own.
2: Yeah, I just hope that it gets re-released on the Switch so that way more people can play it.
1: Yeah,
2: or hack PS4. I don't care, but you know, just some something, s- some sort of update to it or something, so it doesn't die on the 360.
1: Right. All right. Well, what have we got coming next?
2: Well, coming next, we are seeing the. Um sun shining through the clouds uh, our summer of riding is coming to an end but before it goes we are going to be playing Raiden 4 which you know, as we spoke earlier seems to have more ports than uh, G- Gladius or Gradius 1 at this point <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're playing Mikado it doesn't matter if you playing the original 360 release or even the GOG release which is surprisingly pretty decent yeah Oh, so, it doesn't matter which one. How you play on this one, give it a shot. There's a reason why it's sticking around, and why people thought that Five was such a disappointment compared to this. Right. And then in September we have Operation Steel, which I can't remember anything about, but that's it's all right. It's just more fun to discover.
1: Yeah, it's a horizontal shoot 'em up and I guess you could say the levels are or the stages are kind of randomly generated. So it's very much focused on on score play. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, develops.
2: Is it random as in like Starship X? Random?
1: Kind of, yeah. I mean, not, does it have not m- random.
2: How many Cthulhu's does it have, I guess, is what I should rate my randomness
1: on. Well, it's a Zero Cthulhu game, I think.
2: Oh. But, uh,
1: yeah, the, the stage elements are kind of randomly generated, so you're not playing the same stage twice.
2: Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. I look forward to giving it a shot. and mm-hmm. Hopefully we get people to join us. Uh, speaking of which, thank you to everybody who participated. We're always glad to have participation because that's in. What makes for good discussion and learning? I, I learned stuff from this discussion about, you know, setting up the bomb or cooking the bombs, and more stuff about scoring. And I think I found this series that's going to be staying in my 360 for quite a while. Indeed. So uh, I would like to get to the point where we shout out i like to shout out to Ed of Studio Muffin slash Bullet Heaven for the logo and for the reviews for all the years I'd like to mention that we do have podcast shirts they're uh, I've heard they look good in orange but I'm sure they look good in other colors as well I'd like to say thank Kogosu for the intro and outro music the uh, everyone from the Gen Playcast and Collector's Cast and thank Fro for uh, Pirate Dog <laughs> and for, for streaming the Shmup Club Game of the Month always keeping things interesting I and try and thank yeah, that's all I can ask and thank everybody who participated and everybody who listens exactly
1: uh, any other shout outs or Things we need to mention
2: uh, Yeah one here but this is not Family friendly I just look I learned recently or TIL That you should not Name your smart plug STG uh. Because when I asked Alexa about it She said she could not find any STDs <laughs> Which is, is A good thing but not what I Asked so <laughs> I'm gonna Have to change it to shmup instead
1: Yes. Well, on that note, we'll say thank you for listening, and we will catch you next month. Good night. map inquisition